Hello, vampires and flares. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, exactly 20 years after its original air date. So since it is now November 21st, 2020, that means that we are talking about Shadow and also the Angel episode, The Shroud of Ramon. Ramon? Ramon? <laughs> It's spelled R-A-H-M-O-N. So I'm just going to say ramen. Mm -hmm. It's a ramen shroud. Okay, so um, guess what, guys? I get to record at night today. I'm going to try to put my recorder on a stand. That seems weird. Why does that seem weird? It shouldn't seem weird. Let's see if I can lift it up a little bit so it's closer to my face. Most professionals will have their recorders or microphones on stands, right? I just never do. I always just hold it. (laughs) Okay. Because I can't see the record button, that's why. That's why I just hold it, because I can't see the record button. Um, That's okay. Whatever. We're going to try it. (laughs) It's probably going to sound no different to you. Okay. So... I am now going to light candles because I'm recording at night today. So first of all, I want to make a correction for last week. Um, I was talking about, I don't know, did Angel eat the baby or did he not eat the baby? I don't know. I must have looked away because um, Michael was just watching, my Michael was just watching the episode. Um, just a couple minutes ago and I happened to look up and notice like one tiny little moment where we get a flashback at the very end of that Darla episode on Angel um, where he like grabs the baby and like whisks the baby out the window so sorry for you guys that like probably remembered that moment was like why does she think he maybe ate the baby of course he didn't eat the baby they showed him not eating the baby so there you go (laughs) I just uh, didn't see that moment. I must have looked away for a second because when I watch the Angel episodes, I don't usually pause. I take the notes while I'm watching. So it's possible I just wasn't looking at the screen during that one little, it was just a tiny little flash of a moment. So that's why I missed it. So there's my correction. According to, so let's talk about the, I'm going to continue my tradition that I started last week um, of talking about the Angel episode first, because I think that that will make it I just think that'll make it easier for everybody, me mostly, (laughs) Um, because that way, yeah, you guys don't care. So let's do it. All right, I'm arranging everything on my table. I feel weird not having the microphone in my hand. Is that weird? It is weird. I'm going to triangulate my candles so I can see better. Ah, yes, that works. A candle in each side of the book and a candle at the top. Yes. Yes, it does work. Yes. So you guys, I was actually off today. The whole reason, you know, I'm a process queen, so I got to tell you the whole reason why I'm recording at night, even though I didn't have to, I could have recorded this anytime today is because, um, I spent most of the day 
Oh, running. Okay, I'm just trying not to spill things. I spent most of the day... Okay, so there's this tarot deck. <laughs> Many of you guys know that I'm obsessed with tarot. Um, it's my current, like, special interest, um, as they would call it, <laughs> me being autistic. Um, I... It's this tarot deck that... So sometimes a person will create a tarot deck from existing, pre-existing art. Um, it was not explicitly stated that that's what this particular deck was, but it's called Hush Tarot, in case you want to look it up. And it's kind of like about a third of the deck. It feels like the cards were created, the artwork was created for that specific tarot card, but then the rest of the deck, it's not. So, um, it's just bothered me ever since getting it that like certain images just don't look like they sh some images like very clearly look like they should be other tarot cards than what they are labeled as. So today I spent, I actually started last night. I spent like an hour last night trying to decide, okay, if I was going to reassociate this particular card, which card would it be? And then I spent several hours on that today. And then I decided a definitive order, a definitive reassociation of a bunch of the cards, decided which ones I was going to keep the same, which ones I was going to change and what I was going to change them to. And then I kept like changing. Anyway, I just spent many, many hours on that project. And I finally relabeled all the cards and I'm happy with it. But anyway, that is what I spent most of the day doing because it's been a rainy day. So um, and COVID cases are way up in my area. Like it's, it's real bad. So it's like, at this point, we should all just stay indoors until there's a vaccine. <laughs> um, as much as we can do so. Unfortunately, I'm a public servant, so that's not possible for me, but I'm going to be as careful as, as I can be. Okay. Anyway, so that's why I'm recording at night today, even though I didn't have to work. So, you know what that means when we get to record at night, it means we get to have a shot. So I shall pour my whiskey now. Um, I'm actually gonna get out my flashlight so I can see how deep I'm pouring the whiskey this time. Yes. Okay. Now I'm only taking one shot <laughs> instead of last last time I drank with you guys. I feel like I accidentally filled my little shot glass close to full and it probably holds two shots in this particular glass. Oh, sorry guys. I'm like a mess. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so Shroud of Ramen. Let's read the episode description for this angel episode and talk about it real fucking quick because this episode sucked. Chasing that with some ginger ale. Angel poses as a flashy vampire from Las Vegas when he discovers that a bunch of demons will try to steal the Shroud of Ramen, a deadly shroud that can drive people crazy. This episode was really bad and forgettable. Like, I didn't remember what it was called. First of all, last week I was just looking at my calendar and it said Shroud of dot 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 because I didn't have enough room to finish and I don't, re I didn't remember what the name of the episode was. I was watching it today, not remembering what the episode was. Um, not remembering that I'd ever seen it. Basically like 
Angel's brooding about Darla still. So, but then he takes this case that Gunn brought to him, something about saving his cousin. Um, and for whatever reason, Angel has to impersonate some vampire. So he like meets the guy at his bus stop when he's coming into town and kills him and then assumes his identity with a bunch of other demons and shit that are going to, that are banding together to steal this shroud of ramen. They all go there. The whole episode, you're wondering if Angel has gone evil or not, because like being near this shroud makes everybody nuts. Um, and then he, Kate shows up at one point, which my, one of my only notes for this particular episode was, why are they suddenly styling Kate like Buffy? They've got her in this episode. Her hair is, I feel like it's a lot blonder than it used to be. It's like more platinum, but I don't actually remember. I feel like her hair was a darker blonde before, but maybe I'm wrong, but they've definitely like razor straightened. That's not the right word. They've straight ironed her, ironed her hair. Um, she's wearing a white tank top, a cross necklace, a red leather jacket, and black pants. It's very much a Buffy look. And then at one point, Angel, like, drinks her blood just a little bit, like, enough to, like, like, he was still in his persona as, like, pretending to be this weird vampire guy that he killed. And... So he was doing it to save her or something. Like he drank a little bit of her blood and then he like whispered to her to stay down so that they wouldn't kill her. And for some reason she decided to trust him, even though she hasn't trusted him and she's been super antagonistic towards him ever since she discovered that he's a vampire. So for whatever reason, she picked this random moment after he just drank a little bit of her blood. <laughs> she picked that moment to start trusting him. I call bullshit on that, but whatever. Um, it was just a really dumb episode. Let's see. Did I write down anything that made any sense? Or anything that I even want to talk about? Oh, my favorite quote from the episode. Um, at one point, like Cordelia was talking to Wesley about something and something about an unearthed tomb, blah, 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 shroud of ramen, blah, blah, blah. And she says, people, you got to leave your tombs earthed. Come on, people. You gotta leave those tombs earthed. Also, Cordelia had a really... Cordelia had all the good moments in this episode. In fact, like, at one point, she mentioned something to the effect of, like, Angel's to-do list lately is brood about Darla, uh, brood about Darla, lunch, then brood about Darla, and then later she said that thing about leaving your tombs earthed. And, um... Also later, there was some, like, they were talking, they were doing research, her and Wesley were doing research on what the Tomb of Ramen is, or Shroud of Ramen is, and it's like seven virgins were sacrificed, virgin women were sacrificed, and their blood was was spilled into the Shroud of Ramen, blah, 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 and Cordelia's like, why is it always virgin women? And Wesley's like, I don't know, I guess the purity? And Cordelia's like, no, it's about domination or power or something. I think she said domination. She's like, I guarantee you if somebody, if one of these spells asked for a male body part, that the world be, would be atheist like that. <laughs> 
And I'm like, you go, Cordelia. Cordelia's a feminist. She was really the only fun part of this entire episode. It was just dumb. Um, It was just dumb. And, like, I think the whole episode you're supposed to wonder if Angel had lost his soul or something. You know, he was being... He was definitely acting like Angelus through a lot of this episode as part of his, like, persona of pretending to be this vampire guy or whatever. It just, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was just a bad episode. So let's stop talking about it now, shall we? Let's move on to Buffy. So the Buffy episode is called Shadow. This is the episode where um, we see Riley start cheating on Buffy. This is the episode where, oh wait, maybe I should just read. Let's just read the episode description from the Bite Me episode guide. How about that? Shadow. When the doctors discover a shadow on Joyce's CAT scan, Buffy must face the reality that her mother's condition is more serious than she thought. Meanwhile, Glory conjures up a beast to help her find the key. So, this is an episode that we get, you know, several, several scenes in the hospital. Buffy's freaking out. She wants a, a demon she can fight. She doesn't have a demon she can fight, um, except when she has to fight this. So Glory goes into the magic shop. She buys a transmogrifying crystal and some other thing. And those two things should never be sold together. Um, and she transmogrifies a cobra into like a cobra man thing with arms, super huge, not may or big, but super huge. And yeah, that's the episode. So how are you guys? No, <laughs> it's not a bad episode of Buffy, but I think it's just, we're suffering from, you know, whenever you get like a really good episode of a TV show, like the next episode is usually kind of, kind of twee by comparison. I think we're suffering with that with both Buffy and Angel this week. In the case of Angel, it's just that episode was almost unwatchable. Like I kept thinking, God, is it over yet? Like, why am I still watching this? Um, but with the Buffy episode, it's not a bad episode. It's just not like super memorable. Um, but it's good. So let's see, let's go through my notes. Joyce getting the MRI. So the episode begins with Joyce getting like wheeled into the CAT scan machine or MRI, whatever. Is that the same thing as a CAT scan? I don't know. And she looks so scared, which is sad and so alone. The hospital is very dark, which I really wish hospitals were dark, but hospitals are blindingly bright. But in this episode, like all the lighting in the hospital is really dark, just like everything on Buffy is. Um, and it looks like a calming place. I think hospitals would do well to subdue their lighting whenever possible. I think people would be calmer, don't you think? I do. Um, Buffy and Dawn in the hospital waiting for Joyce while she's getting her CAT scan and Dawn's really nervous and scared and she's asking questions like, why do they call it a CAT scan? Does it have something to do with a cat? And Buffy, you can see her like start to react for a second like, oh my god, Dawn, you were so fucking annoying. But then she recovers and she decides to be understanding instead. Like, of course, she's asking weird questions because she's nervous and scared. Like, 
good job on Buffy for not being a dick to Don for one second. We get to see two Minty Mug sightings in this episode. Um, two. <laughs> I'm loving it so much. I feel like at this point they knew that, like, the fans loved the Minty Mug. I'm assuming. Um, the internet did exist back in the year 2000. There used to be, like, a Buffy message board. I was never on it, but I think it was called The Bronze. And, you know, I've heard that, like, Joss Whedon used to, like, lurk around on the bronze and see what people were saying and shit. So he might have, people might have pointed out the minty mug. They might know at this point that people like it and they might be like, I just never knew until this particular rewatch that it keeps, I knew it existed, but I didn't know that it keeps showing up throughout the whole series. So I hope it continues. Um, I was never paying this much attention, so I don't know if it survives past season five, but I'm just, like, crossing my fingers, and I'm so happy to see it every time we see it. Okay, Minty Mug. Oh, um, Giles has his um, ad for the magic box in the yellow pages, and it's really cute. Like, um, it's just cute. It says on the ad, like, death charms, magic spells, um, lollipops for the kids, or something like that. It's just cute. Um, Glory sees his ad in the yellow pages, and she decides to go to the magic shop to buy the things that she needs to transmogrify the cobra. Uh, because the cobra is supposed to, like, um, supposed to be able to seek out the key because uh, it has, like, specific key vision, I guess, and then come back to Glory and tell her where it is, where it is. Um, so, okay, so we get the minty mug, you get to see that um, Giles is showing off his new ad in the paper to Tara, and Tara's being, like, kind of sassy. It's, I think her character has shifted for good at this point. It's, like, the sort of, like, really nervous, shy, nerdy Tara that they had her being up until this moment, up until her, like, family episode that we had a few episodes ago, I think they decided that that was her character's turning point because she, this is, like, the first time we've seen her since that episode, I think, and her hair is darker. It's it's much more the, like, medium brown Tara hair color that we know she's dressing she's speaking more confidently like we're not seeing her do her like little shy thing of like looking down and kind of looking it up at, up at people through her eyelashes she's not stuttering she's just she's made a very quick shift into a more confident witchy Tara which is nice I I prefer this version of Tara I mean Tara is sweet and cute and wonderful I think what I think actually happened, this, this show really likes to pick one female character that is the, the vulnerable one, the one you can put in danger, the one that you're scared for. And, um, the first couple seasons of the show, it was Willow until it, and then it moved on to Tara and now it's Dawn. So now that Dawn is, is, firmly placed in the role of the vulnerable one that we put in danger, then Tara doesn't have to do it anymore. She can be more, like, more self-possessed, I guess. 
So that's really nice to see. But she's kind of like given Giles a little bit of sass about his ad. Like, uh, it's kind of uh, confusing and hard to read, but good for you. <laughs> I don't know why she's being sassy about the ad, but she is. Um, so, okay. And then, so it's just Giles and Tara in the shop until Anya, Xander, and Willow come in. And they're talking about the fact that um, Riley stood them up. So they were supposed to meet him, call back to the last episode, they were supposed to meet him in the morning to go slaughter those vampires in their sleep in the morning, I guess, which is something that like, doesn't seem like something that they would take on by themselves, but okay. Also, didn't occur to me until this exact moment, Buffy is not acting at all like she has a stab wound in this episode. <laughs> Does it really? I know slayers heal fast, but do they heal that fast? Because this is, the timeline of this episode is establishing that it is the next day from Fool for Love. So that, during that day, it was a fresh wound for her. It was like the evening after, it was like the, the evening after the evening before that she got injured. So, I mean, if she got injured on a Monday night, we're firmly in Wednesday morning at this point. You know what I'm saying? So, she wasn't acting injured at all. So, that kind of bugs me, just continuity-wise. Like, not to say that she would still be, like, limping around or whatever, but it was a gut wound, Buffy. <laughs> anyway, whatever. So, they come in and they're bitching about how Riley just went in all by himself. They know. They went there and the tomb was or the crypt or whatever that the vampires were staying in was all blown up and they knew that it was Riley. So they know, they know. Um, let's see. We hear, uh, this is the first episode that we hear Glory's name. We hear it um, in a scene with like one of her minions was talking to her and he called her Glory. I think this, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've heard her called Glory. And then later on, that same minion calls her Glory again in front of Buffy. So now she knows Glory's name. So they're still just calling her, like, that demon woman and stuff like that throughout this episode. Until Buffy later tells Giles Glory. Um, <laughs> we get this Riley versus Spike scene, which at times is kind of fun, but really it's just super creepy. So... Riley goes to Buffy's house to look for her in the morning and we can, yeah, he goes to look for her in the morning and she's not home, but the door is ajar and he's like, you know, looking around and he discovers that Spike is in Buffy's bedroom sniffing her sweater, um, panty stealing sweater sniffing Spike because as he's like hauling Spike out of Buffy's room, he steals a pair of underwear from the drawer, from her drawer. Which I hate. I hate this. You know, like, I just hate it. I know we like Spike. I like Spike. I definitely like Spike. Um, but this is just so sleazy. Like, you don't do that. You don't steal a girl. You don't he's a vampire. So I understand why he's doing this totally because he's a soulless vampire. And this is just another moment that we are supposed to be reminded that Spike is a soulless vampire. We're not supposed to be on his side ever. 
I'm going to bring that up sometimes, but we're not. Um, even though most of the time I just kind of am, but I know I'm not supposed to be. But um, so Riley hauls him out and down the stairs. And um, then Spike says a whole bunch of shit. You know, that whole cognitive empathy thing. Like he knows exactly what Riley is going through. He, uh, he sees perfectly what's going on with Riley. And he just, you know, sticks the knife in and twists the wound. Twist, what? <laughs> sticks the knife in and then twists it. Yes. <laughs> um, and he has a lot of good points. You know, he says to Riley, there's been, I like how he words it. Several times the lover Wiccas have been here to like revoke invitations from specific vampires, like probably lately Harmony. Um, and they never took Spike's name off the list. You wonder why that is? I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. Is Buffy, like I said last episode, like, is Buffy already into Spike? I'm going to say again, yeah, she probably already is. Because there's no reason why she wouldn't also, like, Spike's invitation should have been revoked as soon as it, like, the day after it was given, for whatever reason it was given. Like, has Spike had an invitation to Buffy's house ever since season two? when she had to invite him in when she was like conspiring with him to like save Angel and Drusilla or whatever the fuck their little momentary truce at the end of season two has he had an invitation for that long because that's that's pretty bad Buffy you shouldn't do that I don't know why she wouldn't have his invitation revoked like, because she wouldn't want him just coming in there any time. Like, there's really no reason for Spike to ever be in Buffy's house. In fact, when was the last time Spike was in Buffy's house? Can you guys remember? Because he doesn't go over there. He shows up at the magic shop. He shows up at Giles's house. But he doesn't show up at Buffy's house. Not yet, anyway. So... I do find this curious that she wouldn't revoke an invitation to Spike, unless it's just, like, because he just never comes over. Like, she saw him lurking around outside right after he realized he had a crush on her that one time, but maybe she just didn't think of it. Um, I guess we'll give her the benefit of the doubt on that, but, you know, even if he is a quote-unquote harmless vampire there's no reason not to if if you're already doing some kind of spell to revoke the invitation of vampires why not just throw him in there like she has no reason to want him in her house at this point in the narrative like i don't know that just kind of struck me for the first time this time and then at one point um spike says to riley face it white bread buffy's got a type and you're not it you're just not dark enough and he's absolutely right about that. And it makes Riley really mad when he says that. And, okay, another thing I want to call bullshit on. I know we get the narrative with Spike's character several different times. He'll just, like, show up somewhere during the day with a, with a smoking blanket on. I get it. It's funny. But if all you had to do was have, like, a wool blanket over your shoulders to get around in the daylight as a vampire vampires would be doing it all the time um i mean i get that it kind of makes sense with spike's character you know he's a bad boy he's gonna go out no matter what <laughs> like even if he's a vampire and he shouldn't be out during the day he's gonna find a way to do it 
he like blacks out the windows on a car so he can drive on the highway. You know, I get that it's consistent with Spike's character. Character just kind of bugs me. That's all. <laughs> this is just apparently like most of the notes that I wrote down were just me like bitching about little continuity things and stuff that bugs me, but whatever. Um, okay, we're back at the hospital. Buffy goes in after having the CAT scan, after Joyce has had her CAT scan and she's got her results. Um, Buffy goes in and they've just told Joyce that she has a shadow and they have to, and they're booking the OR to go in and do a biopsy immediately. So um, Buffy hugs her and they're like, and Joyce says, they say it's too soon to be concerned. And so Buffy's like, okay, I'm not, we're not concerned. We're not concerned. Um, Tara makes a really smart suggestion. They're all hanging out at the magic box. Tara, Anya, Giles, Willow, and Xander. And they are researching. They're trying to research. You know, they just have, like, all the books out on the table. And they're trying to research the demon woman. And they just have nowhere. They just have no idea where to start. Because all they know is that she is... She appears to be a tiny human woman, but she's extremely strong. That's all they know. And they've never seen her. Buffy's the only one who has. And Buffy was not very forthcoming with the information either. So Tara suggests that maybe the reason why they can't find her is because glory predates the written word. So Tara is so smart, you guys. Like, this episode is actually a good episode for, like, um magic knowledge you know there are a couple of different scenes where like at this point we have giles who's super knowledgeable about magic he's always been the one super knowledgeable about magic there's willow who like it's her kind of her new thing still i would call it new like it's her special interest then we have tara who's grown up with magic she knows a lot about magic and then there's anya who's a thousand years old and she you know, she became a vengeance demon because of how prolific she is in magic, which we don't, I don't think we know yet, know her backstory that much yet, but, um, I don't think we've found out about Anya's backstory yet, but we will. Um, so it's just nice to sometime that we had a couple of different scenes in this episode where like the four of them talking together with their differing knowledge and they're different, but vast knowledge of magic talking about it together. It's just really cool. So, um, I like that, like Tara was the one that suggested that maybe glory predates the written, written word. And as they're talking, um, she comes in and she has a couple of things in her hand. Um, none of them recognize her because they haven't met her before and Buffy's not there. And Giles sells her, a couple of things, including a transmogrifying crystal. And then she leaves and she's kind of rude. She's not like super rude, but she's a little bit rude and she comes in. Okay. This is the outfit of the episode, by the way, everything that glory wears is so perfect and stylish. Like earlier she was wearing, she was trying on different shoes and stuff. She was wearing like this, like sort of nightgown thing. It was like floor length, but it was gathered together only like a couple inches and it just flowed out to the ground 
So there was like a little bit of cleavage and she also had a midriff situation going on, but it was still, and with these like silky pants on or something, it was great. And then now whenever Giles sees her, whenever they all see her in the magic shop, she's wearing a fitted dark red leather dress and it looks so fucking good on her. So this is the outfit of the episode because it's just beautiful. And then later, um, I didn't pick this one as the outfit of the episode, although it might have been better, but we didn't get to see all of it. Later, she like, whenever she's waiting for the snake to come back, she's like looking out her window and we see like a little shot of her in some sort of like dark red lace nightgown thing or something. Totally hot. Anyway, <laughs> so she gets outfit of the episode in her fitted red leather dress. Um, so she comes in, she buys the shit, she walks out, then they continue their conversation about Glory, which she didn't know that they were talking about her, I'm sure. Um, and as soon as she turns around to walk off, as soon as she turns around and walks off, Giles turns around and he's like, okay, what were we talking about? She could be anywhere. <laughs> so, of course, that's funny. Um, Riley is at the hospital being sweet to Dawn, covering, he's also, he has a red leather jacket in this episode. I don't think we've ever seen him in this jacket before. It's kind of odd to see Riley in a red leather jacket. Like, is he trying to be a bad boy for Buffy? Cause he knows that's what she wants. I don't know. <coughs> um, okay. So Riley's at the hospital. He's putting his jacket over dawn while she's sleeping and um this whole episode like the theme from riley is like he's trying to be there for buffy and buffy is she's not emotionally engaging with him and sometimes it's for legit reasons like she doesn't want to break down crying because she has to be strong for her family right now and that's understandable um and other times she like when the doctor comes up I didn't, I don't think I ever noticed this before. When the doctor comes up after Joyce's like biopsy surgery, he knows immediately what it is. I don't know if that would be the case, but anyway, he comes up into the waiting room and Buffy and Riley and Dawn are all there. Dawn's asleep. <clears throat> and... Buffy stands up to start going towards the doctor because the doctor's walking towards her and she knows um, he's going to tell her the results of the biopsy or whatever. Riley starts to get up to come with her and she does like this little gesture of like, the sort of like she didn't say anything, but just like a little gesture to him like, no, wait here. Like, don't come up with me. And that was a little jarring to me. Like, I know I'm always like, you know, on, on Riley's side to a certain extent, but I, I think this is the episode where I stop being on Riley's side because at some point, like I have empathy for him, like all that he gave up in his life to be with Buffy. I have empathy, but he is too codependent at this point. He has made her his whole life and that's on him. At, at this point, that's on him. He needs to get some hobbies. 
Like, is he not a TA anymore? Does he, does he not have schoolwork to think about? Like, at this point, they are only showing his character as being super obsessed with Buffy all the time. Like, like as if he doesn't know what to do with himself if Buffy doesn't tell him what to do. And so a lot of it is on him, but this little moment was kind of sad. It was kind of sad to me that, like, you know, he's been her boyfriend for, like, a year at this point, and he's, she is perfectly fine asking him for favors, like, take Dawn to school, do this for me, do that for me, but he's trying to be there for her, and just all he was going to do is come with her while she got the news, and she tells him, essentially, no, and... It's just, I don't know, that that seemed odd to me. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But, so the doctor comes up to Buffy, tells her that it's a tumor. And then, it, this is, the scene is done pretty well, I think. So he's, he's saying all these, like, um, you know, medical terms, and he's asking her questions about insurance and stuff. And Buffy's kind of in shock. And, you know she kind of tunes out. She doesn't hear all of it. And you, you get that from her perspective. Like you don't hear all of it either. Um, and then Ben comes up. Um, so I don't know what Riley was doing at this moment. Cause he was like 10 feet away. Um, maybe he like made himself go somewhere else because Buffy didn't want him to hear any of it or something. Um, but Ben comes up and he like, calls the doctor away and sits next to her and says, you know, he, he doesn't have, basically he just said, he's a great doctor, but he doesn't have a good bedside manner. And, you know, he tells Buffy, you know, your mom's going to be asleep for another six or seven hours, which really, why? But anyway, <laughs> um, so go home, you know, get some rest, come back later, talk to the doctor. So she goes, she like tells Riley, to take Dawn to school and she's going to go try to do some magic or something, I guess. So she goes to the magic shop and everybody there kind of just tells her like, you can't mix the medical with the mystical. It's too dangerous, especially when we're talking about your mom's brain. We don't want to mess anything up. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But then they, they were not going to tell her at first. So at this point, Anya has discovered that Giles, what Giles sold to, she was like going through the receipts of the day or something. And she saw what Giles sold to Glory. And she was like, what? You never sell these things together. And I really liked this moment that like, of course this would, um, this would raise a red flag for Anya because she knows about these things. Um, so she's like, you don't sell these things together. What are you stupid or something? And it was just a really good little moment of like, I don't know. I just liked that, that she, she would have something to say about that. I feel like at this point in the show, now that we don't have Joss Whedon on set all the time, we're getting a lot more characterization for the women on the show, you know, like there's more to Anya now than just being in love with Xander. Now she has a job. Now she has, you know, they're using her for her magical knowledge, which of course she would have because she was a vengeance demon for a thousand years. 
and she did magic. Um, I, we're getting more from Tara's character now. Like, I'm just, this is like, I definitely love the first two and three seasons. I, I love season, season one and season two and season three of Buffy. I really, really do a lot. Season four lost me a little bit. Like, I was still into it, as you guys were possibly here for, if you've been listening that long. But season five is just, it's, it's a lot more solid than I remember it being. I mean, I know we're still just, just now finishing the second disc. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still watch my Buffy episodes in DVD. What of it? Definitely don't do it on Hulu. Okay. Because Hulu has Buffy in widescreen when it wasn't shot in widescreen. So I think, or it used to unless people complained about it enough that they stopped having it in widescreen. Let me know if you guys know the answer to that. Okay. So let's see. Cute magic conversation. Okay. Then we get a scene. Did Riley even take Dawn to school? Like how long is her school day? Five hours? Like he has gotten her ice cream and taken her to a carousel. Did he do this before or after he dropped her off at school? Like what? (laughs) Um... This is just weird. Like, the timeline is weird. But, I mean, so I guess Dawn and Buffy were with Joyce at the hospital all night. I guess that makes sense. And then Dawn just had to go in her same clothes that she had on that night to school? I I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so Dawn's got her at the carousel, which is an odd choice, but okay. And Dawn starts telling Riley a bunch of stuff that he doesn't want to hear, but she thinks she's being helpful. She's like, Buffy doesn't cry as much with you as she did with Angel. Like, I think you're really good for her. She just doesn't, she doesn't get that worked up over you. And of course this hurts Riley. All the shit hurts Riley. Um, but so we get that scene. Um, um, okay. So they, they tell, but they weren't going to tell Buffy, but they, Anya lets it slip something and Buffy figures out something's going on. She's like, what? They weren't going to tell her about Glory being in the shop, but then they do. And Buffy, of course, immediately jumps into action, which thankfully, like if they hadn't told her about that, then Glory would have discovered who the key was in this episode. And the whole thing would have possibly been over, you know? So it's a good thing that they do tell her. So they tell her, she goes to the zoo. She like automatically, she knows, okay, they're transmogrifying a cobra. So they're going to need a cobra. So she goes to the zoo and the establishing shot for the Sunnydale Zoo is hilarious to me because it is quite obviously old as fuck, which means that this establishing shot for the Sunnydale Zoo is probably the one that was in like episode six, I believe, season one, episode six. Um, the one with the hyenas, whatever that episode was called, the pack, the pack. That is the first episode I ever put into the vault. I don't think I've put an episode into the Buffy vault in a long time, but, um, yeah, I think that, and Ted 
are possibly the only two episodes that I ever put into the Buffy vault, <laughs> which is what I used to call whenever, because I, I'm not going to, after this rewatch, if there's an episode of Buffy that just pisses me off every single time, I'm not going to watch it again. So the pack and Ted are in the Buffy vault. <laughs> so it was, it was just funny. It was just funny to see that little establishing shot because it was quite obviously, you know, a five-year-old, <laughs> a five-year-old shot of the Sunnydale Zoo that they just unearthed to throw into this episode because they happen to be going back to the zoo in this episode. It was funny. And it does kind of look like possibly they at least tried to make it look like the same set um, inside too, but it was funny. So Buffy goes to the zoo. She sees Glory there. They have a fight, um, but Glory's already doing the spell to like transmogrify the cobra. The snake stuff is like the effects with the snake stuff are very difficult to watch in this episode. Like when Glory first takes the snake out of the cage, it's very clearly a rubber snake. And then you see another shot of her like lowering the snake into a basket, which it's at that point, it, it looks like a real snake. And then after it transmogrifies the close-up shots where like glory is like looking at the snake eye to eye look kind of good you know there's like an animatronic eye movement situation going on there's definitely someone in the snake suit um and those shots look okay but then when they have the wider shots where you see the snake like going down a sunnydale street or whatever it looks it's just cgi and it looks awful awful but and all of those things cut together you know the rubber snake versus the real one the the wide shots of the digital snake versus the real guy that's in some kind of snake costume <laughs> it's just the juxtaposition was bad but anyway close-up shots of the snake's face i thought it looked kind of cute i don't know that's just me though um Okay, where are we? So apparently, like, Glory hurts Buffy's shoulder at some point during this scene, and I guess Buffy runs off or something? I don't know. At one point, like, she's already doing the incantations and shit. Buffy shows up, they fight for a few minutes, and then Buffy disappears, and she's at the hospital in the next scene. And I don't know, I missed... I guess maybe she just decided, I'm gonna lose this fight, and she left, I'm assuming. So... Oh, at one point, Glory says, dark incantations, they're always overwritten, <laughs> which is funny. Um, I wrote Arise Chicken because my favorite episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force is called Video Ouija, and I watched it this last week. Arise, chicken, arise. Um, every time, like, there's some kind of spell in a TV show where they're saying arise over and over, I always think of that episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Um, there's this little moment where Xander kind of confronts Riley. Xander is fully just like Tara. Like Tara had that family episode where it's almost like the current writers, like now that like Marty Noxon is fully the showrunner of Buffy and, you know, Giles is not there on, in, on the day to day anymore. It's almost like, and they finally know what they're doing. They've had time to readjust since, you know, 
last season they had the quick and unexpected departure of both the chick that plays Maggie Walsh and Seth Green, who played Oz. Like, both of them were supposed to be bigger parts of that season, but they had to leave to go do a, shoot a movie or something unexpectedly. And they had just, like, I think Joss was trying to go between shows and he hadn't officially handed the reins over. And I think that's why season four was so disjointed. But now they know what they're doing without Joss around. And it's almost like they're making the decision, like, hey, these two characters that are sort of acting way or more immature than they should be at this point in their development, Xander and Tara, let's give them character arc episodes. Xander got it with The Replacement, and Tara got hers with Family, and then we can show changes in their character, finally, right? Um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> Minty Mug again. <laughs> um, so Xander confronts Riley, and he's fully in his, like, um, Xander as psychologist role at this point. He just kind of says to Riley, he confronts him about, like, Riley going in by himself to... Riley shows up at the magic box looking for Buffy, and she's not there. because She's gone after the snake. And Xander's like... He's, he says, Riley says something about like Buffy being crazy for going by herself to go confront Glory. And of course, Giles is like, um, you know, we didn't let her do anything because Riley's like, why'd you let her go by herself? And then Xander's like, yeah, going off alone, blowing up a tomb with a grenade you know that's crazy and like confronts him about the fact that he just did that um and i don't know it was a good little conversation because it was a very much a you know we're dudes so we don't talk about heavy shit are you all right man are you okay yeah i'm just crazed all right i hear you you know but it was still it shows the connection that Xander and Riley have. I wish we had, we have a, like a few establishing scenes of that we've had in the last few episodes, but I'd like to have seen more of that friendship develop, but we never do get it because I think Riley's leaving like the next episode. Is that true? Let me check. The next episode is called listening to fear. Let's look. I just want to find the answer to that question. So let's see. What is the description for the episode for next week? A demon from outer space lands in Sunnydale, preying on mental patients. Um, it's a Christmas episode? Is this the one where Riley leaves? No. Okay. It's, it's the episode after that where Riley leaves. Okay. So, but we only have a couple more episodes with Riley. So, okay. <sighs> Guys, I'm tired. <laughs> a day of playing with tarot cards. I mean, I'm just so worn out. You guys, tomorrow I have to um, it's a Sunday and I work, which I don't normally work on Sundays, but I have to work with the new girl who, I mean, y'all can keep a secret, right? 
<laughs> First of all, I'm not good with like getting to know new people. I always mistrust them or distrust them, whichever the right word is for that. Um, I just like, it takes me a while to get to know people and trust them. So there's that. And she's only been working with us for like a month and she is a talker. Like I work at a library, so I'm used to like usually the kind of people that are attracted to applying for jobs at a public library are more introverted people. This chick is not very introverted. Like she has to fill every moment with talking and it's just the two of us working tomorrow. So I'm not looking forward to it just on a baseline, but then this is like probably too much information, but I don't think anybody I work with listens to this. So I think it's fine, but she like just didn't show up for work the other day. And like my boss had to like confront her and be like, do you know you were supposed to be here at 10 AM? And she's like, no, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to come. <laughs> like, so. I don't know. Like, I'm sure she at least got reprimanded, reprimanded for that. And I guess that that's not the first time that this has happened. She's been there for like a month and that's not the first time that's happened. So I'm kind of crossing my fingers that she just doesn't show tomorrow. Um, so I can work by myself because lately the way that the schedule has worked out Sundays, we're only open four hours. So it's usually just one person working on Sunday. And so I was kind of looking forward to that until I looked at the schedule and I was like, what? I mean, I'm guessing I'm working with her so that I can kind of show her the ropes and stuff like that. So she's probably, they probably don't like feel like she would feel comfortable yet working by herself on a Sunday, but I'm just kind of sad that I don't get to work by myself tomorrow. A, B, I have to work with the new chick who talks a lot and C, I just like, especially don't, now I've lost some respect for her because who does that? Who just like doesn't show up to work and then isn't even like really apologetic about it? Like, I don't know if she's long for this library world, you know? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's me being petty and gossipy. Um, I hope that she doesn't listen to this, but I'm sure she doesn't because nobody I work with seems to like comprehend. Like sometimes I'll mention that I have a Buffy podcast and sometimes, you know, it just depends on who you're talking to. Sometimes most people know what podcasts are at this point now that they've been around for like over 10 years. So usually they at least know what a podcast is, but, um, and most people know who, what Buffy is usually, but they're always just kind of like, I think they're confused because I don't actually talk in person. Like I really don't talk to people in person. I am so quiet. Like you would have no idea that I can sit in front of a recorder and talk for two hours about Buffy, but I can. So I think people are kind of confused. Like, really? You have a podcast? You don't talk. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I don't think anybody I work with listens to this unless it's like, you know, one of my close friends that listen to my radio show, they might listen to this. I don't know. Let me know if you work with me and you listen to my podcast. I really don't even know who listens to my podcast besides my mom. Like with my radio show, I usually know who is listening, but with my podcast, I have no clue. I love you, whoever you are. You're awesome. Okay. 
got a hair in my nose. I got it. I got it, guys. I got it. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Um, Buffy needs something. Okay, say, okay, so Xander says to Riley during this little conversation of the magic box, he says, Buffy needs something she can fight, something she can solve. Like, he's kind of explaining to Buffy, to Riley, like, why Riley's so confused. Like, he wants to be there for her. He wants to hug her while she cries on his shoulder. He wants, he wants her to be someone that she isn't. He wants her to be a needy girlfriend and she's not going to be that. She's just never going to be that. Um, so Riley goes to drink at the demon bar again, which we've seen him do at least, was it in the last episode that we saw that for the first time? I think so. Um, so he goes back to the demon bar. Um, we see Sandy, I believe that's the chick's name, Sandy the vampire show up, which is the girl that was apparently turned into a vampire by Dark Willow in that one episode back in like season three or whatever it was. I believe that was three or was it four? I don't know, whatever it was, whichever the one where Dark Willow was in town. <laughs> um... Dun, dun, dun. So Riley's drinking at the demon bar when Sandy comes in and then we see him like at some secondary location or maybe they're in the bathroom of the bar. I don't know. You you don't really get an establishing shot. You don't really see where they are, but you see that they go somewhere together and Sandy gets into vamp face. So it's obviously like a consensual thing. I think it was pretty, it was pretty evident to me that he, I mean, he had already called her out in that last episode. Like I don't, you know, you're a vampire. Basically he said it to her. So we already know that she knows that he knows he's a vamp, that she's a vampire. We already know that um, and then she gets into vamp face and looks at him for a second before he offers her his neck. So it's obviously some kind of consensual thing. Like she's not even planning to suck him dry, I'm assuming, because they must have some kind of agreement. Um, but still, he lets her suck on his neck for a second and then he stakes her. So no more Sandy, which is sad because she is hot. She's hot. She has a good outfit too. Like if it wasn't going to glory this episode, it would have gone to her because she had some sort of flowery velvet dress on, which was cute. Why don't I have any flowery velvet dresses? Lately, I've been staring at my wardrobe and just like so dissatisfied, you guys. <laughs> anyway, um, so blah, blah, blah. So this is the first time we're seeing Riley is actually cheating on Buffy. And yes, I think this counts. I think letting sexy vampire women suck on your neck because you feel like your girlfriend doesn't need you enough counts as cheating. Like, it's not like super duper bad, I would say, but it's definitely like a head cock, why are you doing that, buddy? Kind of thing, you know, like that's not okay. That's an intimate exchange, you know? Um, so yeah, it's not cute. It's not okay. There you go. So we see it happening and we're going to see it happen again, probably in the next episode. Definitely the one after that, the one where he leaves. 
Um, that's the one where, like, you know, Spike takes Buffy to see what's happening. Ooh, scary. Anyway, we're getting there. Um, the snake is off trying to find the key. He goes to a church because Glory suggested look for her in the holy places. So he catches her scent at the church, it seems. And then he catches her scent at the carousel. And then at first I was like, why doesn't he go? Why doesn't he get Dawn's scent? Maybe he didn't actually catch it at the church. That's probably how, okay. Okay. I'm talking myself out of like, at first I was like, why didn't he go to Buffy's house? That's where her scent, where Dawn's scent, the keys scent would be the strongest. But I guess it makes sense that like he was looking for her at the church because Glory was like, look for her in the holy places. Or not her, look for the key in the holy places. And so probably he was just, the snake was just looking at the church and then he caught the scent at the carousel and then he went to the magic box. Wouldn't he have gone to Dawn's school first? Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. This is just me being picky again. But, um, so the snake is on his way to the magic box. Um, we get to see the Menti Mug again. <laughs> And the, Buffy gets back to the magic box to, like, pick Dawn up after, like, having the conversation. She's, I skipped over this, but, like, Joyce woke up and Buffy was there when the doctors told her w that it was a tumor. And so we ha we saw that scene, which was heartbreaking, but it was well acted. Um, and then Buffy goes to the magic box to pick Dawn up because Dawn was supposed to be taken there after school or she was supposed to go there after school or whatever. Um, I think that this, like having the microphone in a stationary place means that I'm not squeaking around in my chair as much. Have you guys noticed that? Like <laughs> I actually listened to my podcast this last week and I don't usually do that. Um, I listened to the entire episode and listening to my chair squeak was a little bit annoying to me. So I'm so sorry that that is probably annoying to you guys every single week. So maybe this whole like putting my microphone on a tripod thing will prevent me from squeaking around in my chair because I'm not like nervously moving around in my chair as much. So I'm forcing myself to stay still because I'm not holding the microphone because before I could like twirl around in my chair and it wouldn't matter <laughs> because I've got the microphone in my hand. Um, just let me know if the sound is weird or something. Like, do I sound further away because I'm not holding it right up to my face or does it sound fine? Is it better because you don't get the chair squeaking? What do you think? Let me know. Mixtress Ray at Proton Mail is where you can send me your thoughts on whether or not you enjoy my chair squeak sounds. <laughs> Love to hear them. All right. Okay. Um, so the snake breaks into the magic box just as Buffy is like arriving to pick Dawn up to go back to the hospital. And um, the snake comes in, but Dawn does some really great screaming. Like, this is probably actually Michelle Trachtenberg screaming. It's real good. The snake just, like, stops, and Dawn just screams at it, and it stares at her for a few seconds, and then it turns around and leaves. So, 
Buffy. At this point, she didn't know why Glory was trying to raise the snake. So she wasn't super duper concerned about it because she's got all this other mom shit to deal with today. But as soon as she sees that happen, she looks at Giles and she says, it knows. Right after Willow's like, why was the big snake afraid of Dawn? And she looks at Giles and says, it knows. I'm really kind of excited to see, like, is the next episode the one where because everybody saw that exchange happen, everybody was at the magic box. Anya, um, Xander, Willow, Tara, they were all there. So they saw that happen. So surely this is where they're going to start asking questions. Like, why did you look at Giles and say it knows and then run out? Um, what's up with that? And then, so Giles takes Buffy in his car and they're like chasing after the snake. It's kind of cute because you don't ever really get car chase scenes in Buffy. So that was just kind of cute. Um, Giles is the getaway car. <laughs> I'm not really getting away, but you know what I'm saying? He's, in, he's, he's running the chase because he can drive. Um, then Buffy chokes the snake with a chain when she catches up to it. And then she punches the snake. I always thought it looked weird. Like, I get the whole, like, she's kind of crazed. She needs something that she can fight. So she's sort of maniacally punching the snake over and over and over. But I always thought it looked weird how she was doing it. She was just repeatedly punching the snake with her right hand. And normally, like, if you're, like, wailing on something like that, wouldn't you, like, take turns with each fist? I don't know. I feel like you would. But... I realized what it was because there was that scene after she had had the confrontation with Glory where she was back at the hospital talking to Giles on the payphone from the hospital and she like has a little ice pack that she grabbed off like a cart in the hallway at the hospital which I doubt they would have that kind of shit just laying out but whatever and she's icing her left shoulder so then this is the first time that ever made sense to me. It always looked weird to me. Like, why is Sarah Michelle Gellar punching like that? It looks so unnatural. But I put it together this time. You guys probably did a long time ago. But, like, she was, the way that she was punching, like, holding back her left arm is probably because her left arm hurt because of her shoulder that was injured by Glory. So, just just saying I put that together. <laughs> Sometimes I just understand things that normal people probably get immediately. Anyway, um, so that was nice to just like, because I was always, every time I've ever watched that episode, it distracted me how she was doing that, how she was like holding her left arm, like close to her while she was punching repeatedly with the right arm. And I get it now. I get it. <laughs> um, so Buffy kills the snake. Um, so it never shows. And... It was, you know, it looked like it was, like, several hundred feet from Glory's, like, castle or whatever she's staying in. It looked like, looks like kind of like a castle or something. Um, and we see, like, Glory, like, looking out her window and, like, I guess it's not coming. And she, like, closes her curtains and <laughs> that's it. Um, let's see what else we have here. Then we go back to the hospital. Like, what a fucking crazy day. This is all, like, in the course of one goddamn day. Insane. Buffy takes Dawn back to the hospital. Um, and then Joyce tells Dawn what's going on. 
I guess. I mean, the whole plan is that she tell her alone while Buffy's like out in the hallway, whatever. And while she goes, she goes back out to the hallway, Riley's there and he's wearing a turtleneck now because he just had a vampire suck on his neck. Buffy should notice that. She should be like, why are you wearing a turtleneck, weirdo? Um, Buffy also throughout this episode is wearing a purple shirt I'm not sure, like, do you, I mean, we've seen Buffy wear, like, lilac and lavender, but have we ever seen her wear just, like, a regular shade of purple? It just looked so weird on her, just because we're not used to it. It Just, like, for some reason, it was really jarring to me that she was wearing a purple shirt. Like, purple's my favorite color, so it's not like I'm against purple at all, but it just, it was weird to me. It was just weird. Um, so anyway, um, so she comes out to the hall while, um, Joyce is talking. Anyway, yes, already established that Riley in the turtleneck. And this is where he's like, he's extra. He's extra in this scene because you can tell that he really wants Buffy to cry on his shoulder. That's all he wants this whole episode. And like he, he's being there for, for Dawn and he's being a good dude in that way. But he's, and he's he's not bringing a lot of his drama to Buffy at this point. He's, you know, it's all stuff that like we're picking up on. Like she's not picking up on it. She doesn't, he's, he's not being petty. Like we can tell that like what he, I don't know what he wants from her is too much, but he's not, he's being okay with pulling that back in front of her. And anyway, he's just like encouraging her to let it all out. This is a really good scene, like as far as acting from Sarah Michelle Gellar, because she, she really looks like she's a, she's like, you know, that like right on the verge of breaking into like gut wrenching sobs for an hour and a half. You can tell she's right on the verge of that. And then like Riley hugs her and he's telling her to let it out. And she's, she pulls back and she's like, I can't. She starts to, she kind of starts to start letting it go. And she's like letting herself be comforted by him for a second. And then she's like, no, I can't right now. I have, I have to be strong for my family, you know, which is totally understandable. But the very, this is the very last scene of the episode. We just get like a, like zooming away from Riley standing by himself in the hospital hallway because Buffy has just gone back into the room with um her mom and dawn but i don't know yeah so that's it that's the episode it was you know it was what it was it was not the best episode ever of buffy but it was it was good there's nothing terrible about this episode i mean of course we don't like to see riley cheating on buffy we don't like to see how codependent riley has become on buffy like it seems absolutely 100% obvious to me at this point that it's time for Riley to move on. So he's going to, he's going to soon and they're just not right for each other. It would never have worked. It's just, it's time. It's time, Riley. It's time. Um, okay. So ratings object of the episode. Hmm. I mean, if I could look as good in a leather dress 
as Glory does, I would like that for myself, you know? <laughs> I mean, ostensibly, the reason why I look so great on her is because it was fitted to her. So, if I could have that, you know, like, maybe. But I also, what I wrote down was actually Giles's shelf that, I think it's the same shelf that we saw Xander building a few episodes ago before Giles reopened the magic box. Um, it's just this nice little shelf. It's the shelf that falls on Buffy whenever the snake breaks into the magic shop. It's just this pretty decorative shelf. And I would, it's one of those like room divider type decorative shelves. I mean, it still holds things. Anyway, yeah, that's my object of the episode. Quote of the episode. There weren't really like super standout quotes in this episode, but I liked when Glory said, Dark incantations, always overwritten. So that's the quote of the episode. The MVP of the episode. You know what? Let's give it to Tara. Initially, I wrote Giles just because he's being such a good dad lately. The fact that, like, I kind of love the whole, like, he completely deferred to what Buffy wanted to do about the Dawn situation. She confided in him immediately, and he can keep a secret, A, and B, even though that's, I really think that if she had asked him, what do you think we should do, he would have said, well, I mean, she's not really your sister. So maybe don't give up your life to protect her. You know, I feel like that would have been his stance, but because, but he decided to defer to Buffy and he completely backs her on that decision. So that's initially why I was going to choose Giles for the MVP of this episode, because I just, I kind of love that, like, he's just so so unequivocally, so unquestioningly, so loyal to Buffy. And I just love that. He's such a good dad. Oh, but I'm going to give it to Tara because Tara, this is the first time like we're seeing her since that family episode. And she is different now. She's not shy anymore. She is confident, which Tara, and I am so here for it. Um, already told you outfit of the episode is the red leather dress. Um, five by five. So I think how I'm going to do it is just, you know, how many out of five is this episode? I think that's how I'm going to do it from now on. I mean, it was fine. So I think if I say an episode is fine, that means it's like a three. So I'm going to give it a three. So that's it for Shadow. I will be back next week to talk about, what's the Angel episode? The Angel episode is called The Trial, and the Buffy episode is called Listening to Fear. I'm pretty sure this is the one where, yeah, this is the one where Joyce is at home. Like, they've brought her home, but she's going nuts, and she's seeing things, and there's a demon, and it's real, it's a real horror movie episode. Like my mom's not going to like this episode of Buffy, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I don't have anything to say about the previews next time on Buffy. Mm, yeah. So I'll see you then. I do have to work next week. Don't I? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I have to work next Saturday. So, um, I'll be recording late at night. But hey, that's what I did today anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. I love you so, so much. And I will see you next week. Bye!